Man, I'm excited to, to just share God's word. Um, and I want to say from the beginning, my, my, my posture, my hope is, uh, one is I want to caution us as a, as a church and as believers. Uh, and then I have a great hope for us. I have a great hope for us. So please track with me. Um, some of it might be a little bit hard. Um, but there's hope for us. I want to promise you that there's hope for us. So the title for today's message is Remain Small in Your Own Eyes. Remain Small in Your Own Eyes. And just to kind of give an introduction into the preach, uh, what I hope to accomplish today is what I want to show you is that as, the, as believers, as those who follow God, as those who say that we have a relationship with Jesus, um, our lives should be marked by smallness or humility. It should be marked as the people that are willing to go low. And it was so beautiful for me in worship how that was echoed over and over again, uh, even what Laura was sharing, just to go down on our knees, uh, taking this posturing of being low before the Lord. Um, and it's something, like I said, our, our lives should be marked by. Um, and this morning, as I was uh, just kind of finalizing the notes, uh, I read this beautiful scripture, if they can put it up, in Philippians 2. Uh, we're going to read from chapter 3 to 8. This is just an introduction into the preachers, not the preach yet. So um, stick with me. But Paul writes this to the church of Philippi, um, and he he actually commands them. And and I want to read this slow and really hear what Paul asks them to do. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That's a challenge for us. Let each of you look not only onto his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. What's so beautiful is Paul writes this to believers. He says, brothers, I want you to have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, a mind that is willing to go low, a mind that says, I'm a servant, Uh, I serve a king. This should be our heart and it should be our mind. And just to kind of give you context, the the title of today's message is actually found in in this passage of Scripture. Uh, And I just want to give you a little bit of backstory. So uh, most of you, if you've read the Old Testament, you would know the first king of Israel was King Saul. So the Israel people wanted to look like the rest of the world, which is never a good thing. And they asked God, God, give us a king. And God actually said to them that I don't want to give you a king. I want to be your God and you be my people. But they kept on asking and eventually God grants them a king and he anoints King Saul. And King Saul was commanded uh, by God to to completely destroy the Amalekites. And instead of destroying them completely, what he did is he kept their king, uh, I think it's Agag or something like that, quite a weird name. He kept them as a prisoner of war. And what he also did is he kept all the best livestock. So all the best ox, I don't know really how you kind of determine that, but he kept all the best livestock and sheep and whatever. And um, he didn't completely destroy it. And God actually goes to the prophet Samuel who anointed Saul as king, and he says to Samuel that I want you to go and bring this charge against Saul. And actually what's very scary is you go read the passage, that God says he actually regrets making king Saul, anointing him to be king. 
So Samuel goes, and uh, he goes and speaks to, to King Saul. And I just want to read you the scripture. This is the charge that Samuel brought against King Saul. It's 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And Samuel said, although, this is what he says to the King Saul. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. So just to give you a context, what this word small means uh, in the Hebrews, it's called katon. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And listen to its description. It means young, small, insignificant, and unimportant. Those are not adjectives that we want to describe ourselves with these days. But what is so beautiful for me is in these adjectives lies the secret to being used by God. It was when Paul had this, or Saul had this posturing when he was still small and insignificant and unimportant in his own eyes that God could command the anointing to fall upon him. And it's exactly the same for us. If we want to be anointed by God, if we want to be used by God, we need to take this posturing of being unimportant, insignificant. And God says, I can use that man, I can use that woman. And it so flies against the culture of today. And one of the biggest things where I wanna, what I want to try and lay before you today is um, the importance of being small is, if you're small, you're dependent. So if you look at a baby, a baby needs a mom or a dad. They need a grown-up. They need somebody to look after them. Because they are small, it means they are vulnerable. Because they are vulnerable, they are dependent. And it's exactly the same for us as Christians. We need to stay small because it's in our posturing of small that we stay vulnerable and we stay dependent on God. And uh, I just want to do some deconstruction. This is a scripture that I've often heard, even in, in this church, where people will quote this scripture where it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How many of you heard that scripture before? What does the next verse say? It's 2 Philippians uh, 12 verse 13. So it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. So what you need to work out in your own salvation, what the scripture wants to point to you, and what I want to contend with you today is, what you need to work out as a Christian is you are dependent on God. If God stops moving in your life, you have no room for success. You will not be able to fulfill the will of God. One of the greatest things of working our own salvation out is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I am so dependent on you. I am so vulnerable before you, God. I am lowly before you, God. If you should leave me, everything will go to ruin. And this is the posturing. And there's going to be a freedom in that. Check with me. I'm going to break you down, but I'll build you up at the end, I promise. (laughs) <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so we need to stay low. We need to stay dependent on God. And there was a few things as I studied the scripture um, regarding King Saul and, and this charge that Samuel brought against him. There's a few things that clearly stand out. How you can see he lost the smallness in his own eyes. So the first thing I want to point out is we're going to go to 1 Samuel 15 verse 12. Sorry, I can't read the whole passage. Most of you will know that I am long-winded. It means I talk a lot. So uh, I'm going to choose a few key scriptures. It's not because I'm choosing the best scriptures. It's for the sake of not preaching for three hours. So, um, so 1 Samuel 15 verse 12. So this is after God has spoken to Samuel and given him the word that he needs to go and rebuke Saul. Look where Saul is. So verse 12 it says, And Samuel rose up early. It's in line with what Mike was sharing. There's a trend. All of us need to rise early. 
And Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself. That's a problem. He set up a monument for himself and turned and passed and went down Gilgal. So the first thing that we can see in the life of Saul is the man that once had this posturing of, I don't deserve to be king, I don't know how to be king, I'm not worthy to be king, all of a sudden erects a monument for himself after this victory. And see, the big thing about a monument is what a monument speaks about is a monument needs to be served and a monument needs to be worshipped. And guys, I just want to say this. The first person that God needs to save us from is ourselves. As a people, we are selfish. As a people, ungenerated by God, we will tend to raise a monument in our own image. So if I can just kind of make it very practical for you is, in your marriage, in your view of the church, is your posturing, this is a place I come to serve or is this a place I come to get served? Because we need to be careful. As soon as we start taking a posturing of, I need to get served, you're starting to build a monument to yourself. So in my own marriage, my, my posturing towards my wife is, I need to receive her as the gift that she is from God. And it's, how can I serve you? How can I lay down my life for you? When it comes to the church, it's exactly the same posturing that I need to take. It's not, who can love me? Who can worship me? Who can tell me I'm awesome? No, the posturing I want to take is, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I care for you? That's the posturing, and that's the first thing that we see in the life of Saul that went wrong is, instead of going to serve and erecting a monument to praise the one that is worthy to be worshipped, he erects a monument to himself to get praised, to be served, and to be worshipped. And that's why Jesus will tell us, if anyone should come after me, what should they do? Deny themselves. And let me just say that this is, it's, it's not a once-off occasion. It's not that night that you gave your life to Jesus. It's a daily occurrence. It's a daily occurrence of going before the Lord and saying, Lord, help me to deny myself. Help me, Lord, to have such a high view of you and such a small view of myself that it is easy for me to deny myself. And um, let me just be honest. Does this church a safe place? As I was prepping this message on Monday, I, I flew to Joburg. And uh, I got there, and I was quite in a rush. I had to be at the, my first meeting was around 9 o'clock. So um, I got to the place where I had to get my rental vehicle. So I usually, usually how that kind of system works is I get there, and I just give them my license. I sign a form. They give me the car. I jump in the car, and I leave, and I bring it back. So I got there, and uh, I'm, I've been working on this preach while I'm flying. Not flying the plane, just sitting there while I'm being flown. And as I'm kind of sitting there and working through this thing, I get to the, 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 the Avis and uh, I give my license and they're like, hey, we, we can't find your booking. And I'm like, now I'm irritated because you're wasting my time. And this was just after I'm busy working on a preach on how to stay small, how to stay humble, how to... And in that moment when I started to, sh- because like, I didn't say anything, I just shook my head, you know, that Christian thing, we were like, oh. and as I did that, I was so convicted by the Spirit of, oh, yeah, it's, it's your time, because you're so important. The fact that they lost your booking, that's now the end of the world. And guys, it's just, guys, let's be honest. Look at us in traffic. Look at us when our internet is slow. We just get so irritated and so frustrated because we, we want to be worshipped. 
We, we idolize ourselves. Our time is valuable. How dare you make me late? So this is something we need to really apply and need to understand that there's a soul inside of all of us. It's so easy to read the Bible and say, oh, this bad man, you're it. There's two ways to read the Bible. The one is where you are the hero. That is wrong. You're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. That's the whole book. The point of the book of Hebrews is to show you that Jesus was the greater Abraham. Jesus was the greater Moses. Jesus was the greater David. When you are in the story, you're usually the one that makes the mistake. So when we read about Saul, my posturing wants to be, Lord, let kill the Saul inside of my own heart. Not I'm the hero. This will never happen to me. I'm working on the preach and I fall. And I have to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repented before Marvin as well. And Tony, I think I said to you guys on, on Wednesday, just to stay accountable. I'm not making light of it. should stay small in our own eyes. So there's a soul inside of all of us that we need to kill. So the first thing is be careful of erecting the monument inside of your own life. Daily, guys, go before the Lord. Lord, help kill the idols inside of my heart. Lord, help me to believe that I'm not the point. You're the point. Because if we take that posturing, guys, we're free. We're free. Just another few verses that I want to look at. 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to go from verse 19 to 21. There's a few things that's very key in how Paul or how Saul starts acting. So verse 19, it says, this is Samuel now again rebuking Saul. And I just want to say... What is so scary, what you need to understand is, when he brings this, this, this verses to him, so verse 19, what happened is he started to confront Saul, and Saul doesn't respond well. And then Samuel actually says to him, Saul, first he denies completely, he's like, hey, I did everything that God told me to do. And then Samuel said, Saul, God spoke to me yesterday. And he's like, okay, well, let's hear it. Let's be careful. This is where it picks up. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and did not uh, and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission of, on which the Lord had sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amal- uh, Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things devoted to the destruction to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. This is a very bad posturing Saul is taking. When God comes to reprimand you or rebuke you, arguments shouldn't be part of that equation. Let me, let me be very honest. This is church. If it's between you and God, you're wrong. Just want to put it out there. It's between you and God. Guess what? He's perfect. You're not. Let's take the correct positioning. But Saul is so hardened at this stage That even when the prophet comes, who is a representation of God's word, told him, God came to me, God told me exactly what you did. His posturing is not one of lowliness, it's defensive. How dare you, Samuel, tell me that I'm wrong. I did everything God commanded me. Because this is not the posturing we should take, and this is a posturing that's in all of us. We are very easy to defend. So one of the things is, he pounced on the spoil. And what that means in the life of Saul is when Saul was busy destroying the Amalekites and he was looking upon this nation, he starts seeing that some of this stuff has worth. Some of these things are good. And probably what started to creep in his heart is some of these things I deserve because I'm the king. And guys, let me just be honest. We, we need to be very careful that we start playing this game with God. God, I deserve. 
I deserve that promotion. I deserve that relationship. I deserve to be blessed. I deserve. We deserve hell. That's what we deserve. But God in His great mercy and grace saves us. Saul was unable to see it. I deserve. And he pounces on the spoil. What is so scary is, guys, what we need to understand as well, the spoil can also refer to the things of this world. We're in that Christmas season. You're on take a lot. You're making your wish list. Guys, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I want to tell you, and this is always my plea with you. Guys, have great dreams in God. Desire great things, but keep it lightly in your hand. What I mean is that is, is God, I'm going to pray to you, Lord, would you bless me? Would you provide for me in this or whatever the case would be? I want to be a man of faith, but I'm going to hold so lightly on those things that if God says no, I'm saying, well, as long as I have you, it's fine. Be careful of the spoils of this world. We think I need this to complete me. All you need is Jesus. It's the only thing you need. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. So one of the big things when we start becoming big in our own eyes, when we stop taking this this posturing of smallness, is there's an unwillingness in us to be wrong. Saul couldn't be wrong. He's the king. How dare Samuel tell him he's wrong? Guys, let me just be honest. For us as believers, if you understand how depraved we are and how broken we are, we need to realize that we are going to be wrong a lot of the times. One of the greatest things that should mark the Christian life is something called repentance. And what repentance is, is this acknowledgement before God and before people, I'm wrong, I didn't do this right. And just to share a small testimony that happened in this year, uh, for those of you that that don't know, I'm not full-time in ministry, I I still have a very, very demanding job um, that keeps me very occupied. And there was a saint um, that that brought this charge against us, well, against me, Let's, let's make it about me. Peter, you didn't love me well. Didn't phone me. You didn't reach out. And he has this against me. So there was going to be a whole meeting about this. um, Which is awkward. Because that's not nice. (laughs) And I remember leading up to this meeting, I I started to to kind of prep for this. Prep for this meeting. Like, okay, I I want to be able to show that maybe I didn't do it for you, but I've, I've loved other people well. I've served them. Here's my diary. This is how busy I am. Um, and all that sort of stuff. I remember getting up that morning, and I just dropped off my wife at work. I was just praying, and I'm like, Lord, you know, I just really want you to be in this meeting. I want this to be one of reconciliation, not one that is divisive, and, you know, we are hearts of going further from each other. God said to me, son, go and be wrong. Go and be willing to be wrong. And I was like, why? (laughs) Lord, but... I have a valid excuse, Lord. I'm not full-time in ministry. I'm, I'm trying my best. Like my, my schedule is full, Lord. You know. And for a moment, God just took me a step back. It's like, son, this person counted on you. This person wanted you to love them, and you didn't. Will you own that? So guess what I did in that meeting? The first thing I said is, I'm sorry. I failed you as a leader. I really apologize. Will you give me another chance and would you help me to build better on this relationship? So if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're a leader in your workplace, guys, be willing to be wrong. See, one of the greatest things that God showed me in my few years of living with Jesus is that I'm not perfect. That I make mistakes. And he's okay with that mistakes as long as I'm willing to own them. 
But as soon as I want to start defending them, it starts separating me from Jesus. Because it takes away vulnerability. It takes away my smallness before Him. It takes me to a place where I'm like, but God, I have to be right. No, I don't have to be right. I can say I'm wrong. So Saul is unwilling to be wrong. So as the people of God, I'm giving you the grace to be wrong. Acknowledge it. Own it. Apologize to each other. And move on. Verse 21, but the people took the spoil. The people. Not me, Lord. Guys, and let me just say this from the beginning. May we never become experts in what your brother is not doing. Guys, and, and this is what humanity is plagued by. What was the first response from Adam when, 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 when God called them out on their sin? It's Eve, Lord. And actually, Lord, it, it, it's Eve. I was fine before you gave me this woman. It, it's actually your fault, Lord. As human beings, we are experts at playing the blame game. And it shows us we're elevating ourselves to a position that we think we are higher than what we ought to be. So as soon as you become an expert at being able to see other people's mistakes, I'm worried for you. I'm worried for you, brother. Jesus teaches about two men that go into a temple to go and pray before God. The one man can't even lift his head. He keeps his head low. He beats his chest. He tours his ropes and he says, Lord, is there mercy for me? Another man who is a Pharisee, a scribe, a guy who knows the word, goes in and says, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this man. I'm not a sinful. Jesus says, the other man goes, justified. People of God, can we be a people that keep our eyes focused on ourselves in regards to, Lord, I'm probably the problem. Not my brother. What I love is when we read that Philippians, Paul says the only thing that we should outdo each other on is honoring each other. That's the only competition as Christians we partake of. Is how can, I, how can I outdo you in honoring you? Saying you're awesome, you're great, you're the best. It takes a position of lowliness. Of being low in our own eyes. We're going to skip a few verses and we're going to go into chap, uh, chapter 15 verse 27. This is, guys, this, I, I don't know how many of you ever read Saul's story. I remember thinking that he didn't make that many mistakes. You know, kind of broad strokes, his, his kind of plea... He, he didn't kill everything and he kept a few things and he said he was going to offer it to God. I didn't think it was such a big mistake. But as I read and studied this passage, the heart of Saul was wicked. It was completely wicked. And I'll show you now. Let's pick it up. I'm going to pick it up from verse 24. Sorry, I think I only gave you 27. It's actually 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Seems like there's a moment of epiphany. It's going to go away very fast. I've sinned for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sins and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized his skirt, uh, uh, skirt of, the, of his robe and tore it. The one thing I want to point out to you is as soon as smallness leaves us, we start grabbing towards things. And what I mean with that is, is as people, we, we'll start grabbing towards position, we'll start grabbing towards praise, we'll start grabbing towards significance. And it's exactly the same from Saul. See, what, what he does here when he repents, he doesn't repent. What he knows is if he arrives in front of Israel without Samuel, they're going to know that God has rejected him. 
So he pleads with Samuel. He says, Samuel, no, 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 I'll, I'll repent. I'll, I'll, I'll bow before the Lord. As long as you come with me before the elders, before the, the, the people of God, so that they see that God hasn't rejected me. And it's actually such a bad trade-off. What Saul said in this moment to Samuel is, Samuel, I'm willing, I'm willing to lose God. I'm just not willing to lose my kingship. I'm willing to lose God, but I'm not willing to lose my kingship. He held on to his position so much. This place of elevation, this place of praise, this place of being the man that is willing to sacrifice God on an altar and say, as long as, as long as the people still think I'm king, that's good enough. Be careful of grabbing towards things, guys. Be careful. Like I said, all you need is Jesus. Grab towards Jesus. He's the only thing you need. Position, it will come and fall. I've had position, I've lost position. I've had money, I've lost money. I've... That doesn't make me anything. What I need the most is the one I need to grab towards, which is Jesus. And I want to hold on to Him tightly. Unwilling to sacrifice anything. Lord, if you take everything from me, but I get you, that's enough. And just to kind of show you the stark contrast, if you know anything of David, Psalm 51, the one thing that he was not willing to lose was the Holy Spirit. Psalm 51, he writes this, 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 this whole psalm about repentance before the Lord. And he says, Lord, do not remove your spirit from me. There's such a stark contrast between Saul and David. David was the good king. Because he was small in his own eyes. He knew how dependent he was of God. He knew God was his greatest treasure. So when it was a time where he even sinned and he repented, he was, Lord, I'm willing to lose everything as long as I don't lose you. Where Saul says, I'm willing to lose nothing except you, Lord. I'm willing to lose you, but you don't take my kingship away. I'm the king. I want to keep my monument. I want to keep my praise in front of people. And the other thing that he mentions, guys, and I think this is one thing we need to be careful of, is he says, I became fearful of the people. He wanted their approval. He needed their approval. How much do you need the people's approval? You need to be careful, guys. Because what we say approval, approval is just actually a very beautiful term to say I need people's worship. I need people's acceptance. I need people to think of me in such a high manner that I'm willing to compromise. We can't. We can't. There's a lot of people, even in my own company, that think I'm an absolute idiot. Gave up a dream job. Why? Because I love the church more. That's so stupid. Well, it's stupid to you. For me, it makes absolutely complete sense. But if I sought the approval of man, if I sought the approval of my CEOs or my directors, my answer would have been different. No, I seek the approval of God. God, what do you want me to do? Stay. I'm staying. Thank you, Jesus. This is what we need to look for. 1 Samuel 15, verse 30 to 31. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I might bow before the Lord your God. Not the Lord my God anymore. The Lord your God. Guys, if we, if we struggle to see our smallness before God, He's not our God anymore. He becomes a fiction of our imagination. It's something that, uh, especially in today's era, um, that you see a lot. People serve a Jesus that's not based on the Word. He's a Jesus that never disagrees with them. It's a Jesus that always just loves them and thinks they're awesome. No, I promise you, Jesus loves me. Jesus often rebukes me. <laughs> Jesus loves me and often will tell me, son, I need you to be a better husband to your wife. I need you to serve her better. 
Son, I need your heart to be purer and softer before me. Saul was willing to give this up. So let me start coming into a landing. Let me give you some hope. There was a Saul in the New Testament. He was named Saul of Tarsus, a man persecuting the church that would have an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road of Damascus where Jesus would knock him off a horse. Jesus is a gentleman, he knocks you off a horse. And God would change his name from Saul to Paul. How many of you have heard of Paul? How many of you know what Paul's name means? Small. Small. And it's such a beautiful message for me in that, that God, when it came to Paul, he wasn't going to take any chances anymore. Because he had an encounter with Saul that didn't end well. So when it came to Paul, he said, Paul, the first thing I need to change is I need to change your name. The name Saul actually means giver, um, given by God. It's a beautiful name. First thing God does in the life of Saul that became Paul is, I need to change your name, I need to change your identity. And instead of giving him, Paul was arguably one of the biggest apostles in the New Testament. First thing God does is, I'm going to make you small. Every time you pin a letter, every time somebody addresses you, anytime somebody calls you to come and preach in the front, the first thing that you will hear is, small, come here. Small, come here. What is so beautiful for me, guys, if we can take this posturing. Paul was a man that was poured out for Jesus. Paul was a man that God used to change nations. To change the world. He turned the world upside down because he had this posturing of small. Every time he had to pin a letter, Lord, I'm small before you. Every time somebody called him to the front, you would see even in his letters, he says... Paul, the first thing he says, I'm small. I'm small, he's big. Cousin, this is my biggest plea to you, why you need to stay small in your own eyes. Apart from not creating idols in your own lives, apart from becoming judgmental and becoming argumentative and all that sort of stuff, the biggest reason why you need to stay small is, if you're small, your worship will be big. If you stay small in your own eyes and you realize that the only reason why you are saved, we were singing about the, 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 the um, elders that cast their crowns in front of Jesus. You know why? Because the only reason they are allowed in that room, the only reason why they are allowed in His presence is because of His blood. It's because of His sacrifice. It was because He was willing to go to a cross and die. Absorb the wrath of God. And what is so beautiful about that is God knew what He was purchasing. God knew what he was purchasing. He knew what he was purchasing wasn't great and perfection. He knew what he was purchasing is going to be struggling saints that challenge him regularly, that struggle about in holiness, that sometimes doubt him. And he said, I'm still willing to pay that price. As soon as we take the posturing that we are small, our worship becomes big. Our worship becomes big. Because we live in that revelation of God. The only reason why I am where I am today is because of you. Lord, the only reason why I, can lay, why I can raise my hands and say glory to the King is because you saved me. You chose me. You paid my price, Lord. And like I said, guys, this is the greatest invitation we have. It frees us up. It frees us up as the people of God to be able to be vulnerable with one another. Because if I can be small and you can be, and you can be small... And we understand that Jesus on the cross declared that there is a smallness in all of us. 
that we are imperfect. Guess what? Now it tells us that we can join together. Because you're small, I'm small. So I'm going to extend grace and mercy to you. You extend grace and mercy to me. And now we can start forming unity and walking closely together. And we can be honest with each other. I don't have to pretend. I can stand on a Sunday in a sermon and tell you, guys, while I'm working on a preach on smallness, I failed. That's fear, guys. That's the reality. And then my whole life journey, my whole life's mission is to point you to the one that is big. The one that is worthy to be worshipped. The one that is worthy to be built up on monuments and be able to be praised day in and day out. That's Jesus. That's never me. That's Jesus. That's never me. This is what we are getting invited into. We play our part. Staying small. I want to end with this verse. If they can put up James 4, chapter 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord. As we take this posturing of small, we invite God to use us. See, God wants to receive the glory. God wants the one that receives the praise and the honor. And He says, what your part is, humble yourself, I'll exalt you. See, when I say we need to be small, I'm not saying act small. I'm saying be small in your own eyes. And then see what God can do through you to change nations, to change worlds, to change families. Because he exalts those who humble himself. Does that make sense? I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. I'm going to pray and then I'll invite Marco to land this thing. Right, come up. Hey, you want to say something? Okay, Rob wants to say something. Sorry. Go for it. Before you pray, um, because maybe some of our hearts will will be cracked open. Um, I just kept hearing this thing of, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, and, and, and almost a separation.